Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. What's up, Titans fans? This is the Titans Unfiltered Podcast on Music City Miracles. I'm your host, Nick Lombardi. I'm solo today. My man Sam has been busy with work, or so he says. I'm sure he was just celebrating a little too hard after the big dub yesterday. But we'll go with the work story for now. So I'll try to hold down the fort. He'll be back on Thursday as we prep for the big Bills game. Um, But we spent a lot of time, I think, as, as Titans fans, you know, kind of maligning some of the struggles some of the letdowns so it's it's good to recap on these wins and, and you know talk positively for once so that's what i'm going to try to do um you know we're three and two it's not necessarily where we wanted to be in the stretch we'd hope to go uh you know between indianapolis jacksonville and the jets go three and oh um but we went two and one not three and oh but two and one you know we mostly got the job done um, only two losses are to the only undefeated team and then a weird game in New Jersey that went to overtime that we should have won with you know a ton of guys out. So should we be better than we are right now in terms of record? Yes. Is there a lot of hope and optimism? <laughs> well, not if you're on Twitter, but I think if um, if you look at the team as a whole and what they've done recently, I think there are reasons to be positive. Um, so I'm just going to do a quick recap of the game and then talk about, you know, the best and worst things I saw, um, from yesterday. So let's just kick things off. You know, the fireworks started early, but not in an expected way. It wasn't a big Henry run. Uh, AJ Brown made his return, but it wasn't, you know, a huge touchdown pass from him. It, it was the defense. Uh, you know, the Jaguars got the ball first drive. And I think on the third play of that drive, Elijah Molden forced a fumble that Kevin Byard took to the house. Um, a couple things there. One, it was nice to see Molden back in. You know, we talked we talked a lot about how we didn't see him at all in the New York Jets game, and I think um, the staff eases their rookies into things, right? And you know, Vrabel's typically even you'd say tough on them, kind of downplays their significance, and takes a while to warm up to them and give them responsibilities. Um, but it's nice to see Molden in there. Um, I, I think with him. You know, there, there's a reason why he dropped in the draft, right? He's not the most athletic uh, guy, and his strengths are more his intelligence, his aggressiveness, his tackling, and so you kind of have to play to those matchups. You know, if we put him in against the Jets, Jameson Crowder probably would have eaten him up even more. We saw what he did to Christian Fulton. I think it would have been even worse with someone like Elijah Molden who doesn't have that experience or that athletic um, ability to fall back on. So putting him in on tight ends, you know, I think he made the, the tackle on Dan Arnold that forced the fumble. Putting him in situations to succeed is something that the team is going to have to work out, not only for him, but for all the rookies. Um, so it's good to start, you know, see him get back involved and kind of play to his strengths. Um, and it was good to see a turnover, too. You know, we had talked a lot about going into this year. You know, we just wanted to see an average defense better than last year. And last year was rough. But one thing that that defense did well was force turnovers. Um, they had the seventh highest turnover percentage in the league last year, which is kind of shocking considering 
how bad they were outside of that. Um, but that was kind of their saving grace and, you know, a way that they were able to win games even when they were getting badly outplayed. The Titans haven't done that this year. You know, even with two turnovers yesterday, the Titans are still only 27th in the league in terms of turnover percentage. So, and you know, it's something that Vrabel has talked about, the players have talked about. Um, we didn't really see it come to fruition until yesterday. So that was an encouraging thing. Um, hope to see more of that. But that's what this defense, I think, really needs to do to take the next step. You know, they've that and cutting out the big plays, which they did somewhat to an extent yesterday. Still, still not perfect. We can talk about that more later. But um, creating more turnovers and stopping the big, big plays. You know, if I think if they can do that, this defense has some really good pieces um, to follow. You know, so the Jaguars got the ball right back after that. Wasted no time. You know, we just talked about giving up the big plays. Well, 58-yard run by James Robinson, which honestly should have been a touchdown uh, if not for Kevin Byard hustling his ass off and chasing him down at the very end. Um, it was a little bit all for naught because they still ended up scoring soon afterwards. Um, but that kind of took the air out of a great defensive, uh, first defensive stop um, when getting it tied up to 7-7. So, there really wasn't much that happened after that. You know, the next couple of drives, I think it was punt-punt on both sides. Um, but the Titans finally got something going on their second drive of the game. It's a big play to Jeremy McNichols, who's, you know, just been a huge factor in the Titans' offense these past few weeks. You know, a lot of us have still been clamoring for Darrington Evans to come back to see what he can do. Uh, but we're getting to the point where how much more is Darrington Evans going to bring than Jeremy McNichols, who's just been excellent as a receiver, um, you know, maybe Evans can improve, you know, it is kind of obvious when McNichols is in there that it's going to be a pass play. And when Henry's in there, it's going to be a run. So maybe Evans can kind of bridge that gap, um, and give the offense some variability, but McNichols has been great and done everything the Titans have asked to them. Um, and Marcus Johnson and AJ Brown had some big receptions to get the Titans to the goal line. And it really was crazy seeing those two guys back and how big of a difference um, they made in terms of playmaking and just getting the flow of the offense going. You know, um, Marcus Johnson isn't Julio Jones by any means, but he was explosive, a, a big body, and, you know, our leading wide receiver. And A.J. Brown wasn't at full capacity, but he was still a threat. And I think having guys that the defense has to worry about like that makes such a difference. You know, the other guys, if you get the Chester Rogers, the Westbrook Aquines, Josh Reynolds, like those guys are okay if it's a third or fourth wide receiver and they can play complimentary football. But if that is the focus of your offense, you have a, or you're going to have a problem because the defense can easily, you know, win those one-on-one -on -one matchups and, um, um, negate anything that they have to offer because they just can't they can't win football games on their own and they need those guys like AJ Brown and I guess even Marcus Johnson to draw attention away so it really was interesting seeing how different the offense looked just having like some some juice to it some liveliness um, from guys who can make explosive plays like that so a couple big passes to those guys got them down to the goal line Derrick Henry did his thing, you know, the go, go ahead 14-13, thanks to some bad kicking from, from the Jaguars. Um, Titans defense did their best to make this close. You know, I, I was singing their praises a little bit there, but the, the Jaguars drove right down the field again. Um, we had talked with J.P. Acosta last week about how Trevor Lawrence really throws a great deep ball, and we saw that come to fruition 
Um, <laughs> but, you know, I was just talking about Titans complimentary players. That Those deep passes were to Jamal Agnew and Tavon Austin. So they were making the most of their complimentary players. Um, and they eventually got in a fourth and goal situation where they got a matchup with Harold Landry um, on a tight end, which obviously did not end well in a goal line fade. And I did want to kind of talk about that because everyone was, you know, rightfully making fun of it. Like, oh, how do we have our outside linebacker uh, in coverage? What did we think was going to happen? But we do need to give Jacksonville a smidgen of credit in this instance. Um, You know, what they did was they sent out a four tight end package. So in response, Tennessee is going to send out their goal line unit. And then Jacksonville lined up an empty, which is just going to force guys in the goal line set who aren't usually in coverage have to cover. So the Titans didn't really have a ton of options um, outside of Harold Landry, unless they wanted, you know, maybe they should have burned a timeout in that situation. But it actually was a pretty good play call um, by Jacksonville taking advantage of what the defense was giving them. So, yeah, in retrospect, the timeout would have been good, but I also don't think this was a situation necessarily where the Titans like, yeah, let's let's get Landry matched up on, on the tight end. I think it was... Um, it was a good call by Jacksonville. So, you know, hopefully live and learn there for the Titans. Um, but after this, you know, the, the next Titans drive was possibly their best of the season. Um, open things up with a 22-yard pass to Marcus Johnson. I mean, pass on first down, that's something that I have been begging for. Back to the Arthur Smith days, you know, the Titans love to run on first down. And I get it. You got Derrick Henry. You can usually get a good chunk of change there, but... The fact that teams know you love to run on first down so much means you should work in a pass even more because they're going to give you more to work with. Um, But it was just some great creativity and balance from Downing. Um, Like I said, probably the best play calling I've seen from him all season. You know, he had eight plays, only one went for five yards, so he was just making, he was getting chunks on every call. He got everybody involved Johnson, Rogers, Reynolds, Henry. Cam Batson had an 11-yard run out of the Wild Bat, which is my new favorite play call name ever. Uh, he used that a couple of times. And then he eventually got Pruitt uh, with a touchdown with nobody around him. And Michael Pruitt is a guy who has shown that he just really deserves to be on the field. I mean, he's been a great blocker. He's, you know, not the most nimble guy. He's definitely no Johnny Smith, but he knows his assignment well. He gets open. He makes plays. He catches it when it's thrown to him. I've just seen enough of Jeff Swaim, and I don't really understand what happened because I thought he was a pretty solid player last year, especially blocking. But man, he has just been worthless out there. Anthony Ferkser, I'm not sure what's going on with him. You know, he, may, he had a couple receptions yesterday. He was never going to be a great blocker, but I thought he would have been more of a factor in the passing game, especially with uh, Julio and AJ not at 100%. And, um,. You know, the relationship he had with Tannehill, he he had the most repertoire with Tanny probably than anyone else on this team coming into this year. So that, that's just been a strange one. I don't know how much injuries are affecting that. But as of now, I mean, Michael Pruitt is a 12th ranked tight end in the league, according to Pro Football Focus. That's a guy that has earned more snaps and, you know, just get, get Jeff Swaim out of there. More Michael, less Jeff. Um, for the rest of the half, you know, the Titans had one more solid drive for 41 yards, um, finished the half 31-13. And at that point, you know, it's obvious the Titans were the better team. Um, so I'll, I'll do more of a quick summary of the second half. 
Titans came uh, right after halftime, scored another touchdown. That's when Henry started to get cooking. We all knew it was going to happen. It's Jacksonville, his home, his hometown, basically. Um, and he was a little slow in the first half, but he, he kept getting solid chunks, and he really started to to get big, bigger yardage runs going forward in the second half. Um, but what I didn't really like was it felt like the Titans were more just trying to hold on. And I feel like they do this. And part of it is that, you know, defenses adjust and slow them down. And the Titans just keep trying what, you know, we always talk about adjustments. Um, you know, the next three drives after that touchdown drive only had 29 total yards between the three. That's not a good way. You know, you always talk about stepping on the throat, pushing down on the pedal. Titans did not do that. And that kind of let Jacksonville get back into it a little bit. They, they put together some good, good drives. Um you know, James Robinson was great, um, but, you know, I didn't think they actually fed him enough. I thought they should have leaned on him more so than working in hide in weird spots. Um, but the defense was able to get two turnovers on downs. I mean, they, they had a goal line stand, um, another another turnover later after that, and then a KB interception to, to seal it off. I mean, the game should be celebrated because they took care of business, right? I don't think it was the prettiest game, but at the end of the day, they almost won by 20 points. That's hard to do in the NFL, no matter who you are, as, as we saw evidence last week when we thought we'd waltz into New Jersey. But to have a big win like that on the road, even if it's the divisional punch, punching bag in Jacksonville, it was a good day. Um, you know, like I said, it's obvious they were more talented. And not only as players, but as much crap as we give the Titans coaching staff, it's clear they were more talented in the coaching department as well. I'll get to that more in a little bit. But uh, for now, I kind of just want to go over, you know, the good and the bad. A couple of things I saw that I really liked and a handful of things that, you know, were, were not the best and need improvement. Um, the good, I want to lead off with this because I just don't think it's been talked about enough. I think... Part of it is that the successes of the Titans don't get celebrated enough in general because it's so easy to focus on on the negatives. Um, but man, hats off to Kevin Byard. You know, let, even in just in the window of this game, he had a fumble recovery, a touchdown, an interception, and eight tackles. There's not much more you can ask of from a safety to than to do all that and. He's really been doing it all for the defense, which is what we signed that him to that big contract for, and we just didn't see that player last year. And he really just has not been getting enough credit for his level of play in general, but how impressive that's been when you take in, when you factor in last year and how much he struggled. Like, the turnaround has been crazy. He's looked like old KB, and maybe even better than, you know, at his peak. He's currently the number one rated safety by pro football focus. And, like, nobody... Uh, and the Titans, you know, fan base is really talking about that. He's been doing it all. I mean, like, he, he, I think he had a couple, I think he maybe had that first rough game against Arizona, even though, like, some of the coverage he had was perfect, like on the Christian Kirk touchdown. And, it, you know, you just barely get beat on that. But it's almost like people are like, oh, same, KB struggling again and kind of like wrote him off. But, like, ever since then, he's been excellent. And that's really. You know, we talked about the defense getting turnovers last year. But outside of those turnovers, like, they still didn't really have, like, a consistent playmaker. They were all kind of fluky, weird turnovers. Um, 
And so to, I think the year before that, when they were maybe at their best defense under, under Vrabel, you know, KB was making a bunch of plays. They had Jayon Brown um, all over the field. And they, they really lacked that last year. So to have KB back in his old form, making plays, being the leader of this defense that we know he can be, that's huge. And that really gives me encouragement to as to the ceiling of this team. Um, I really think the secondary, if they can pull it, put it all together, can be a solid unit. And I, I, I don't think I said that at any point last year. Um, but with KB playing like he is, Crookshank has had his moments. I think he's best in the box. You know, single high coverage is not his strength. He's not an Amani Hooker who is so versatile that he can move around anywhere and, and still be successful. And Hooker has been a big loss for this team, and I'm looking forward to getting him back. But Crookshank brings value as well. Um, Chris Jackson might be like turnaround player of the year for me. You know, outside KB, at least, you know, he played poorly last year but we knew he could reach the heights he's at now chris jackson has been great in the slot um you know part of the reason we were talking about mold not getting on the field is because chris jackson has been great and would they really like like we said on the pod last week i think when he went out against the jets his his you know presence was really missed um so getting him back and when fulton went out farley stepped up we saw a little bit of farley you know he uh, it wasn't anything special but it wasn't any any groans coming out of him there, so it was a good like, you know, some early reps way to get his feet wet. And Janoris Jenkins probably had, I won't say probably, he definitively had his best game of the season. So you know, there's the asterisk against it. It's the Jags, but like I said, Trevor Lawrence is pretty good with the deep ball, and nobody really got exposed. The only big plays they gave up were in the run game. Um, which was a little bit concerning. I think they've been so good against the run and they got gashed really badly. But um, pass rush and secondary look so much better from last year. And I think we have to acknowledge that, you know, it's still just five games into the season. But just to see these flashes, like I said, I didn't see that at all last year. Like it makes me hopeful in the whole, you know, oh, maybe they can put it all together. Like I'm not saying they can, but it's nice to have that hope. Um, I'll also say the offensive line was good. You know, they still gave, gave up three sacks, not ideal. Like we've talked about Tanhill just cannot continue to take these beatings. Um, it, it makes me nervous every time he takes a big hit, but I think they passed the eye test. Um, run blocking was absolutely excellent. I think, you know, everybody probably saw the tweets that the Titans, I think like four or five of, of their players, um, best PFF grades for the game were offensive linemen and it was almost all because of their run blocking. They did an awesome job and you know that that is their bread and butter. That's what they're here to do. Um but they did okay pass blocking as well. I think the most encouraging thing was seeing Lawan look like old Lawan. Um you know when he said that pass blocking wasn't great. Well Lawan was pretty great in pass blocking. He was great in run blocking and pass blocking. And, you know, I'm not one... I, I think you've seen both sides of the spectrum with Luan. You know, oh, he's going to get cut. Which, people have been criticizing those takes. If if he plays terrible and he's going to be owed $15 million, like, he's going to get cut. Like, that's not a hot take. It's not saying it's going to happen, but it's saying if he's played at the level he has in some of these games by the end of the year, like, it's really going to hurt his chances to come back on his current deal. Um, 
But on the flip side, I've seen people say, oh, he's coming off an injury and, you know, and he, he's not going to be his old self right away. And that's true. It is true. But it's also true that these games matter. And if he's not his full self and is still out there getting exposed, that's detrimental to the team. Um, but it is what it is. And I think he might have finally turned that corner. I, I knock on wood there a little bit. But he looked great in pass blocking. He looked great in run blocking. And kind of like when we were talking about the defense with the ceiling that I've seen with some of these, you know, pieces that we have, it's kind of similar with the offensive line too. I think Lawan, Saffold, Jones, and Quisenberry have all hit pretty high ceilings as this year has gone. Like everybody has had a great game or two. There's been lows for about all of them. Maybe not Saffold outside of the fact I feel like he's injured every single game. But all of those guys have shown that they can play at – a good level and you know can pass block and run block at a high level except Nate Davis he's he's still giving me a, a bit of a headache and I think you know um now that Lawan is playing a little bit better you, you see that anti-Nate Davis tweets a little bit and the guy just has not been good at pass blocking and interior pressure is almost you know all, all pressure is bad but interior pressure it, it's so sudden and you have a quicker path to the quarterback um, with that, it, it's, it's, it's just tough, um, seeing your offensive guard give up that much pressure, but you know, he wasn't great last year at pass blocking, but we just got to hope he's get back to, you know, kind of the average range because if, if he can, I think again, this offensive line can be a pretty special unit. Um, other positives, Derrick Henry. I mean, what, what more needs to be said? He really just defies expectations on a weekly basis. The defense knows what's coming. They stack the box. He has a huge workload. And he still manages to average 4.5 yards a carry, 130 yards, and three touchdowns. Like it was nothing. I mean, we've become so used to what he's capable of, but I honestly think we're really taking it for granted. Um, You know, what was the stat? He had the most rush yards over a 40-game span over Jim Brown. Like, Like Jim Brown, like one of the greatest running backs of all time. Like... I think we were, we've crossed the point where he is going to make the Hall of Fame. Um, but I think we also talk a little bit too much about, oh, future Hall of Famer. Like, man, we just need to enjoy what, what we're watching. Because we can bask in the Hall of Fame glory, you know, when he gets inducted and all that. But, like, man, it's just such a joy to watch him run and do what he does on a weekly basis. And, you know, he really is the life and soul of his team. Him, I'd say Tannehill to a lesser extent, but... I mean, he really defines what the Titans like to do and impose their will. Like, he's the embodiment of that. Um, And he just keeps doing it, even though defenses try their best to stop him. And, you know, especially when you take into consideration this is the the age of, uh, although we've seen, you know, a little bit bucking of the trend here, I think starting with Henry, you know, um, don't pay running backs. Running backs aren't important. And then to have a team completely build their identity on a running back and, be generally successful is is a little bit humorous um but like i said we're witnessing greatness and i think every now and then we just need to sit back and you know realize it and enjoy it because as much as i you know <laughs> i'm not gonna say he can't do it with it but with this workload man i just don't know how how many more years he can realistically so you know let's not get into all that necessarily and i'm even doing what i'm telling myself not to do but let's just sit back and enjoy it because man it is just so fun to watch him 
Um, less positive, I'll say, is, you know, I, talk, I touched on it a little bit. Todd Downing. Um, I think that the theme of the positives from this are promise, right? You know, he didn't call a perfect game, but it was a promising one. You know, we talked about the secondary and offensive line and the kind of ceilings they have. Um, And it's kind of the same with Todd Downing. You know, we saw the creativity. We saw him move the ball around. We saw him get into a flow. Um, You know, I think he's been deserving of all the early criticism that's come his way. But we have to realize that it's a work in progress for him, too. It's like players. Um, You know, he hasn't called plays in, what, eight years or so? Um, And, you know, there's been some moving pieces in the offense. And he's kind of got to feel his way through it a little bit. So he's not a finished product. And, you know, it probably would have been realistic to think he was going to come out of the gates just balling. Like he's he's got to he's got to figure it out a little bit. And you know, um, like I said, it's, it's not a finished product. I'm not saying he's going to be the next Arthur Smith and you know be coaching in Jacksonville in two years or whatever. Um, but what I saw made me encourage. You know, I think he has some talent in that department, and at the very least, it makes you encouraged for the future and, and hope that that's something that he can build on um all right let's flip over to the bad uh this bad is this one's kind of a cheat because it doesn't involve the titans as much and i just want to talk about how bad the jaguars coaching is i mean i I did talk earlier you know they had a couple good play calls they did some good things but it's just like a disconnect um you know the off the field stuff with over meyer is taking priority in the news but it's, it's kind of clear he doesn't know what he's doing um you know, I think the Titans in general have gotten lucky with their AFC South opponents taking away their best player. You know, I just finished watching um, the Ravens and the Colts game. Shout out Ravens for pulling that out and giving us a nice little cushion. But Jonathan Taylor was a beast. And he was a beast against the Titans too, but they gave, barely gave him the ball. And the Titans benefited from that because I, I have a feeling if they I have a feeling the Colts learned their lesson from that game and that's why he's been getting fed so much just because he's just that talented um but I kind of saw the same um in this game with James Robinson I mean obviously he had that 58 yard touchdown it wasn't a touchdown run but the 58 yard run there um and he he had what 18 carries for 149 yards 8.3 yards per carry like dude was on a roll Uh, granted you know a lot of that was that average is inflated by 58 yard run but I think it showed that he they were able to impose their will pretty well with the run game but they got that the Jags got away from it you know they had goal line stands they brought in Urban's old buddy Carlos Hyde and they just did some really interesting things um and I just can't get over and maybe this is less of the game and more just me being incredulous at how ridiculous um the jaguars are but some of these quotes that urban meyer was saying afterwards i mean he uh he had said that i don't want to micromanage who's in the game on the fourth and one play like that's literally what your job is is to micromanage it you how do you not know who's in there he said he didn't realize that uh robinson's touches had been cut in half in the second half of after he was clearly their best player in the first half. Um, and you know, he's has big Trevor Lawrence on fourth and goal to sneak it in. And he said, Oh, Trevor, Trevor's not quite comfortable with sneaking the ball yet. And then Trevor immediately says, no, I feel comfortable. And when he's asked, 
So I just don't know what Urban's doing, man. I, 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 my theory is is that he just wants out of there, and he just is you know doesn't really give a shit because, um, he wants out. He wants to get fired because he can't quit on his own because he'll forfeit all that guaranteed money. So I don't know if he's just mailing it in and waiting for uh, you know, the the owners to call him in to have a chat. You know, maybe he lasts the end of the season, but. Man, I just don't know what's good. I I would feel bad for the Jags fans if it wasn't the Jags, but man, what a mess. Um, more Titans focused. It's not a major thing, but the penalties. Um, you know, they had seven for forty-four yards. Some of them happened at crucial moments. Simmons and Autry on that second half touchdown drive. Um, Davis had a critical holding penalty that killed the drive. You know, they had eight penalties for ninety-eight yards last week, which is their highest of the season. I kind of hope that they would clean that up this this go round. Um, as in the past, um, a lack of penalties has actually been a strength of them. You know, team discipline has always been something that Vrabel preached, um, and I think they are still like in the top ten in terms of penalties per game, which is where they finished last year. These last two games just felt a little sloppy. Um, I know the Jeffrey Simmons penalty um, by the law of the land. Trevor Lawrence was still in bounds when he hit him. Um, and I saw today Vrabel had said, yeah, but, you know, Simmons knows he can't do that. They're always going to call that on the QB. And then I saw people say, oh, Vrabel, Vrabel, wasn't def- Vrabel was defending the call. Vrabel's not defending the call. Vrabel just realizes that, you know, he's, he's being realistic in that situation. Referees are always going to call that when, you know, the the quarterback's tight walking and a big defensive lineman crushes him out of bounds, especially if it's like, you know, one of the faces of the future in the NFL. Um, it's not fair, you know, it doesn't necessarily follow the rules, but that's just what they're always going to call. And, you know, Vrabel was right that Simmons doesn't need to do that. Like, Lawrence is going to go out at that point in time. It is nice to always put a lick on him, but whenever it's around the sidelines and whenever it's involving a QB, they're going to call it. Um, and so I thought that was interesting. People were still incredulous after that explanation today, but I, I think I, I get where he was coming from. Um, he doesn't always agree with the, you know, either the referee's calls or judgments. You know, I think earlier we had talked about, um, how he didn't challenge that one ruling, um, which was at the Seahawks game and Chris Carson reached for that first down was clearly short. He knows statistically that those calls are rarely overturned, so he's not going to throw the penalty. Like he's just being realistic on how referees go about their business, um, and he doesn't want to get extra penalties or yards, or your lose challenges um, by going against it because it's just the reality of the situation. So on the last negative, I'll end on a very, uh, very negative point. Uh, Rashawn Evans. I mean. This is the opposite of Derrick Henry and what more needs to be said. We all know the struggles. We've all seen it. Um, I know uh, Mike Herndon put out some hilarious yet sad videos of of him just jumping over stuff, running around in circles. I mean, like I said, he's kind of like Leroy Jenkins. He just doesn't know what's going on there. He just makes a decision and goes headfirst into whatever he thinks it is. And it's kind of... It's sadly funny because, you know, law of averages would tell you that eventually he'd guess right just by chance, right? But it's like he has a knack for doing the wrong thing every time. Like, 
I'm going to jump over this pile. Running back's not there. I'm going to hit this gap. The running back's in the other one, and he goes for 58 yards. I'm going to de- I'm gonna defend this, and nobody's here. Like, his poor decisions defy logic. Um, and, you know, the t- I get that people are like, get him out of there, but the Titans are kind of in a tough spot there. Jalen Brown is injured. Monty Rice has been banged up, and he's a rookie. He doesn't understand the defense fully. Are they going to put Nick Zubnar in there? I mean, even, you know, David Long has been getting a lot of play, but we're talking coverage. David Long got toasted in coverage last last week. Um, he's not a great coverage back. He's not a Jayon Brown. So, you know, I've, I've already started getting my hopes up that the Titans can somehow change for Dante Hightower because, you know, he's not the same player he was at 31. And he started off a little slow, although I think, you know, yesterday he finally looked like his old self. But I just the Titans need something at that linebacker position. And I don't know if that's going to be Mon- Monty Rice getting healthy and stepping up or Jayon Brown getting healthy. Um, it's just a little grim there. And it's, it, oh, I know one thing for sure. It's not going to be Evans turning things around. Um, we just have not seen that out of him at all in the past two years. And that, you know, the Titans... People, I, I get the feeling people think that Vrabel thinks Evans is good. I don't think he thinks that. They did not pick up his fifth-year his uh, fifth year option. They made sure to draft an inside linebacker. They've given Long a ton of more snaps than him. Like They're not huge fans of his. I think they're just their backs are in a bit of a corner, and he knows the defense, and so they kind of they don't really have another choice unless they want to bring some guy off the street who's probably going to be marginally better than him him at best so you know I, I don't hate that they didn't make more aggressive moves at inside linebacker because they needed to you know draft they needed to sign wide receivers sign edge rushers they draft used their first round pick on caleb farley when cornerback was a big position like i get it but man it's it's hard to watch it where sean evans i like to the point where i feel bad for him but i don't feel bad for him because of you know how bad of outcomes his his poor decisions have so that's probably like you know we we like I've been talking about ceilings all day today I just don't see a high ceiling for my for my buddy Razor there so hopefully the Titans can you know let's pray Monty Rice can get healthy and be great cuz that's that or a trade is pretty much what we're looking at here um so don't want to end on on too poorly of a note like I said Titans got things done they're three and two. They have a long week. Um, won't sugarcoat it. You know, Buffalo is going to be a tough task. Um, but to have a, a winning record going into this really tough stretch, getting Indianapolis, um, having Indianapolis, beating Indianapolis, and then Indianapolis, you know, only having one win at this point in time is going to be pretty huge for the AFC South. I think that wild card picture is going to be an absolute mess. I mean, the Chiefs are last in their division right now. And, uh, they, I can't. I have to believe that they'll surge back. So that AFC South shoe in is going to be crucial. And so if, they, if the Titans can simply split two of those next four games, I think they'll be in great shape. Um, but Sam and I will get into that more a little bit later this week. I uh, just want to do a quick recap and and go over the game. Going to try to do a better job of getting out. You know, two a week here. Um, hopefully, get Sam on this next one. Uh, But until then, tighten up.